I think that nature can teach you things about yourself that you cannot find anywhere else. I think that it has the ability to build introspection um, to that and teach truths, not only about the life that we're, each of us are currently living in our own unique way, um, but also as a community, um, truly that you, that you would not, that would not see the light of day. You are listening to Marisa Jare. Marisa is an accomplished outdoor photographer who is passionate about capturing people in the rugged elements of the mountains, as well as protecting mother nature. Most recently, she was featured in Out There, Colorado, as one of the top 15 photographers in Colorado. I have found Marisa's photos to have a unique ability to draw one into the moment that the photo was taken. She's also the co-founding of Rising Routes, an organization that exists for one reason, to bring people together. Rising Routes' goal is to normalize our differences and to shrink the ever-deepening divide through adventure, common ground, and celebrate individuality. We were fortunate enough to catch Marisa before heading out to Tanzania to climb Mount Kilimanjaro. In this episode of the Get Into Nature podcast, we discuss with Marisa her connection and journey to becoming an established adventure photographer, her go-to equipment for documenting her adventures while climbing in the mountains, her unique creative process for capturing fantastic photos that speak to the viewers, and her homework assignment for me to help prepare to take amazing photos on our Everest Base Camp trek. To learn more about Marisa and to view her amazing photos, follow her on Instagram at Marisa Jare, M-A-R-I-S-A-J-A-R-A-E. All right, Naturites, this is a special episode and we are so excited to have Marisa on the show. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy the show. Welcome back to the Get Into Nature podcast with husband and wife team, Scott and Casey. That's me, Campbell. Season one is all about their preparations for their trek to Everest Base Camp in October. Scott is learning the ins and outs of photography, while Casey is using her nutrition background to make sure they are fueled for all of their adventures. Every week, the pair will chat with experts in outdoor expeditions, photography, and nutrition. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Get Into Nature podcast. We're super excited about our guest that we have on, Marisa Jare, who is a local photographer here in the Denver area, who has some amazing work, and we're super excited to get started on this podcast. Marisa, thank you for joining. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm stoked to be here. Yeah, and so... As we were discussing earlier, part of the journey of us preparing for Everest Base Camp is learning how to become a better photography so that way we can better capture the moment and being able to really tell the story to our friends and family through the art of photography. And, and part of my journey of photography is to become a better photographer 
to bring people into nature so that way they'll want to learn how to better protect nature, right? I love that. I totally love that. Yeah. yeah. And um, I guess, you know, to kind of start off, maybe if you could share with us in the audience, you know, what, what has been your primary inspiration for adventure photography and really maybe how you got into photography doing what you're doing? For sure. I, uh, you know, it's been a kind of a winding road, actually. Um, I thought that I wanted to be a photographer as a younger human. And I actually even studied it in, in uh, college for a little bit and did a lot of internships with magazines and wedding photographers, model photographers, et cetera, lifestyle, and burned out like real quick. And I actually put a camera down after my freshman year of college. Uh, I put it down for about a decade. And I was like, well, that's not for me. And I actually ended up uh, pursuing graphic design and uh, creative writing instead. And then um, we moved, uh, my husband and I moved to Colorado uh, six or seven years ago. And I got really into the 14ers, as people tend to do. Um, not everyone, but some, me. And, uh, and there was this one morning um, that was in, I think, gosh, I want to say it was uh, Mount Huron, but I, I can't be certain about that. Um, anyway, and no, it was. And the sunrise was so gorgeous. And it was my first solo summit of a 14er. And all I had was my iPhone, but the light was so cool. And I've always been really kind of reactive and responsive to light. And I was just like, this, this is freaking incredible. And this is exactly why I'm out here. Right. And it was just that, that moment of, of bliss. And so I just took a photo of it because it felt right. And I didn't expect anything to come out of it. I, it was a phone photo. And anyway, I came home and it was actually, um, Back in the day, this is a few years ago, when before Instagram really had a lot of like filters, but they had just come out with that Lux filter, right? You know, a little sunburst situation that happens kind of at the top middle. And uh, I, I clicked on it for kicks and giggles and it really pulled the light in the way that I had seen it and really felt it. And so the image all of a sudden kind of reflected this emotional experience I'd had. And I was like, holy, this is, this is the thing, this is cool. Um, and that was really the start of my sort of adventure photography and reintroduction into photography again. So um, at the time I was doing a lot of learning and also volunteering with the Colorado Mountain Club and uh, from backpacking and orienteering to wilderness first aid to uh, you know basic mountaineering stuff. And um, I just started shooting with my phone all the time. And the more, I mean, I spent most weekends camping, uh, kind of in the, in the heyday of all of that. And uh, Colorado, you know, on the hills just has just innumerable stars, right? And it was just, you know, uh, breathtaking to say the least. And so I would, I, the Milky Way would scream like every weekend in the summer, the Milky Way would just be screaming in your face, right? And I always wanted to photograph it. So I started researching how to do that. And that's how I ended up um, with the mirrorless system that I still use today. It's a, it's a Fujifilm um, uh, X-T1, X-T2 series. Mm -hmm. uh, and this little uh, 12 prime uh, that like... <laughs> like it. Just, you know, a little, little Rokinen uh, 12 millimeter prime. Anyway, after about six months of research and blog trolling and Reddit and all kinds of information on my end, I was like, okay, cool. This is the setup I'm going to try. Uh, and sure enough, it worked really well for astrophotography. And so that's kind of uh, really where I started to move into the 
photography side of life. And then I realized that it wasn't so much landscape, but it was humans and specifically women in nature that really spoke to me um, as an artist. So yeah, that's kind of my story. <laughs> Very cool. Well, guys, you, you have to check out her website and we'll link it in the show notes. It's just amazing the pictures that she takes across all different aspects from mountaineering, camping, casual in nature photos. It's just amazing photos. And um, reading some of the articles uh, about your work, I, I've read that you refer to photo impressionism. Mm -hmm. Can you maybe ex explain to us a little bit what that really means for you? And For sure. I, I um. So impressionism is a form of art for for those who don't know uh, that uh, really uses light and shadow, but really light uh, in a in a way that is not realistic uh, to capture a moment and more importantly um, an emotional reaction to a scene or a moment, and. Uh, that is what I do. So I about 50% of my creative process happens in camera when I just, you know, frame the shot, take the shot, uh, get to the place, have the human, what have you. And the other half happens digitally. It's definitely an art form. So um, the, a lot of my photos are hyper real. Light plays a huge role. A lot of times there's sort of like almost a glowing aspect and this isn't purposeful. It just sort of happens. It's what comes out <laughs> when I right. Um, but yeah, and so it is photo impressionism. It is not meant to look real. It is it is meant to really uh, reflect uh, how I was feeling in that space um, and to hopefully um, bring that out in the viewer or the audience. Yeah, and I think, and Casey and I, we've been looking at your pictures and just the way they really speak to you. It's Thanks. It's one of those things where I'm like, Oh, wow. I got a lot of work to do to get to that point, especially between now and our trip. But um, we're getting there and it's a lot of fun. And, you know, I, I think I also read that the process that you follow is not to really try to force the shot. You let it speak to you um, and to ensure that you're, you're staying present in that moment while you're there. Exactly. Yeah, yo, that's exactly it. Like you yeah. can't. So, yeah. And for okay. A, I'm sure like your your process, your style is going to be yours and your own regardless of tool used. It could be identical to the setup I have, right? We could shoot the same thing, it would look totally different. Right. Because that's what art's about. Uh it is very personal. And so to that end, yeah, my process is not to research in there a location or an area and see kind of where the light is going to be hitting or where the stars are going to be hitting or you know what what we're actually going into um i like the element of surprise because for me it is about the experience it's like nine uh, 80 percent just living the experience uh 20 percent capturing it and so when those moments happen and they do for me every time I go out, especially if I don't really know exactly uh, what it's going to look like, then it truly is. It's just like a, it's like opening a present every time you go out. Right. And so, um, and those are the moments, those present opening moments that I'm um, capturing. And yeah, it's just like a straight up from the hip shooting sometimes. <laughs> like, I love it. Yeah. Uh, and that's me. And that is a very different thing from some of my other friends who are, who are very gifted photographers also. And they, they have a very different, more methodical approach and I'm here for it too. It's just not for me personally. That, that is so, Casey's probably laughing at me, but it's so <laughs> relieving for me because it's one of those things where 
I overthink things. I over like try to process things. I overanalyze everything. And you can see Casey's nodding, nodding and vigorously and agreeing. <laughs> because so far, like part of our training is we've gone on hikes, we've gone on camping trips, and I'm I'm out there and I'm like, okay, well, I got to make sure that we get there. Um, I gotta I gotta frame it up just like this, and it, it gets stressful, right? And then all of a sudden, I notice I'm not in the moment, just really like soaking in where I'm at. Yeah, right? yeah. That's exactly, yeah, yeah, it was good, yeah, thumbs up. I agree totally. That's, you know, and again, like for some creatives, that's what, that's what you, they need to do in order, that's part of their process. And I, I think that's brilliant. Um, but yeah, for me, it truly, photography is an extension of my experience. It is not a definition of my experience. And so the way I look at that is, if an experience makes me say, wow, like out loud, and those who know me know that I'm quite verbose when it comes to like joyful noises of excitement in nature. Love um, it. But when it says like, but when I do, when I, you know, when I, when I, when it makes me say something out loud, like, man, have you seen, look over there, like, look at that. That's the moment where I'm just gonna be like, hey, quick shot, quick shot, no big deal, right? I, it may never see the light of day. But the, the act of taking the photo, even if I never look at it again, enhances my experience of the nature personally. And so um, that's where, it, yeah, whereas like sometimes I'll be like, man, I really wish, you know, this sunset is amazing and I wish I had a camera and for some reason I don't, right? Which is rare, but it happens. Right. Um, you know, it, it's going to sound crazy, but like, so, you, you, and I shoot with my phone a lot these days as well, but if I don't have either, I'll like fake pretend take a photo which is silly I know but it is it's just part of that expressive nature to be like I don't know it's sort of how I like tie myself into kind of the beauty that's surrounding you I don't know how else to say it I'm working on the articulation but anyway yeah that's me <laughs> no, I, I totally get it and I, I love see I'm love that we're doing this video because I can just see your face lighting up when we're talking about this. awesome so awesome <laughs> Yeah, and I guess, you know, going into that phase of, so you, you started in photography, you started taking pictures of the landscape while you were out there yourself, and now I see in your pictures, you're in the elements. It's like, like, you're up there in a rope, climbing, yeah. on a side of a cliff, it looks like, taking pic these awesome pictures of people. Um, what was that process like to get to that point to get comfortable doing that because you when you're holding on to a rope you can't just say oh wow i want to take a picture right and so yeah yeah that's spot yeah. on you totally can't um i mean you can um you know we uh, my first glaciated climb was rainier and um you know, you're, when you're getting up high or maybe it's a heavy day or maybe your legs aren't, you know, turning on the way you think they will, you know, your rope team might go a little slower than normal or you're going to take, you know, 100 steps and then take like a 10 second break, whatever that looks like. So um, there are times where you can stop and and kind of make that shot happen um, without impacting the team. For sure, in those more technical settings, I am, there's two ways I go about it especially if it's just kind of single pitch rock climbing, ice climbing stuff, then those are places that I will do a little bit of scouting on site. So like I'll go a little early um, than everyone else who's showing up maybe just to kind of see like, cool, what are my angles? What are my options here? Um, uh, because it's technical, but I might be able to stand off to the side safely, right? Or might be able to lower in safely um, um, on some static lines. So it's, you know, it's, 
that's one option where people know we're shooting. The other thing, the other option or way, I said, I guess, is when you are in a rogue team, your objective is not documentation or photography or whatever. Your objective is to like get to a spot by a certain time for safety or, or ability or what have you, right? Um, or timeline. And so in those moments, yeah, it's like, honestly, this system that I have, like my original system, which is this little 12 millimeter prime, I know exactly how and where all the different focal points are based on aperture without even looking in the camera. So I literally shoot from the hip, I would say, 35% of the time probably. Um, because when it is technical, you can't, yeah, you can't afford to stop. Uh, that's not an option or sometimes there aren't safe places to pause. Um, and so, yeah, so then I'm just like, you know, in, I know this is this podcast, you can't see me, but I'm holding it up. <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm, ho I'm holding it up behind me, not even looking at it. And it's so wide that I know I'll get something that I like. Right. Um, so sometimes it is just ha having that flexibility in your toolkit to go cool. Like I know that, that this is so wide that, I'm likely gonna get something that I can reframe later um, if it's really something I want. Uh, I don't know, yeah, it's, it's kind of varied. And then in terms of learning how to do that, um, I'm always learning. <laughs> right. I am not an expert. Uh, I hope to continue to learn for the duration of my existence here on this rock. But um, yeah, I think, you know, it's, it's honestly, it's just practice. There are, there are mountaineers and, and photographers who are far more skilled and in all of the areas, creative plus uh, technical. Uh, at some point, hopefully in my, in my career, I will be there, uh, hopefully sooner than later. But um, yeah, and I mean, it is a matter of just like taking classes too, right? Mm -hmm. Learning your knots, learning the systems, learning rope management, like figuring out how, because you have to be able to do the things that you're doing, right? I can tell a difference. For me personally, if I don't do the sport, I'm not good at documenting it because it doesn't speak to me. I write in, in that same way. And I find that I'm really only truly happy creating art for other people or myself if they're doing the things that also speak to me as a human outside of photography. So like, you know, I will probably never photograph, never say never, but like kiteboarding because water and I are not friends, right? And so like, could I get a shot? Sure. Right. Would I be like, yeah, this is the best thing ever. No. And you would see it. I guarantee you, you would see it in the video, in the, in the image without question. So. Yeah. I don't That's know if that question. <laughs> no, no, it does. It's because it's one of those things where as we get into these more and more situations in the elements, it's safety first. Absolutely. You at it first before yeah. you try to become a photographer. Right? Yes. So 100% safety first. And it's challenging, right? That's a hard thing to do to be like, but the shot is so epic, like cool. And it's like, cool. So in your brain, before you even get into that situation, be like, how am I going to do that? Maybe it's a wide angle GoPro, like no joke. Right. Yeah. Like, and, and you're like, okay, cool. Like I'll get some semblance of what this looks like. And in post I can then, if the image is still speaking to me and that experience is speaking to me in post, I see it on the screen. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm feeling that mojo. I'm feeling it. It's cool. Then I'm going to edit it in a way that, that is uh, reciprocal of that emotion. Um, and I'm like, okay, cool. Like it might not be the, how I would have framed it if I could have like stopped frozen it, you know, Hey, can everyone take five steps backwards? Blah, blah, blah. Um, right. You know, you do the best with what you get, which is part of the fun, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, just figuring out. And so that's the journey we're on. So we also have a GoPro as well that we'll be taking with us. Wait. Yeah, totally, totally, totally. That's awesome. I'm stoked to uh, follow your journey. Yeah, should be fun. Mm -hmm. Okay, so 
question that I have for you, because I will be, I guess, like implementing this for Scott, is what homework would you give him between now and Everest Base Camp to improve his photography skills? And you leave in October, right? Correct. Yes. Okay. So I'm going to go to Nepal in October too. Are, Are you, you really? really? Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> what, what dates? Uh, the 11th of October to the 11th of November. Get oh, no, out of we'll, here. We'll be there at the same time. We're going to be, I, I'm heading over to the Annapurna, Annapurna Sanctuary though. Um, okay. Is the plan. Um, okay. So here are the things that I would practice doing in general. Okay. So I need, um, I'm taking notes here. So don't be <laughs> the camera right okay so you so for me um the most success that i find i shoot the world as i see it and so what i mean by that is not just with light and color um but also peripheral right so as a photographer as an artist i would say understand if you don't already and you seem to um but for yourself be like these are the kinds of images that speak to me how what does that depth of field look like Right? Is it is it is it big? Is it small? Um, are you you know sh are you using long zoom lenses to sh you know to shrink up the foreground so that big mountains look bigger, or are you shooting wide angle, which is more kind of what our eyes see? Um, I personally kind of tend to shoot wider because, again, I'm capturing kind of how I'm seeing the world, and I don't see the world in zoom lens personally, right. the world in wide angle. And so that's literally why I shoot wide angle. It, again, everyone has their own reason uh, for doing things, but that's for me. So I would say figure out kind of which one is your go-to because if you're, if it's cold and your cameras are freezing and your lenses maybe get a little bit, you know, wet or whatever, you're going to need like a kit, a go-to kit, meaning you can have a bunch of nice to haves with you, but a go-to shoot from the hip, I know this thing backward and forward. I can adjust everything with my gloves on kind of kit. Okay. And so I would say from a hardware perspective, do that. Learn that lens and it should be, prop for me, it's one. I know, again, everyone's got their own way. For me, it's one. Uh, I have many lenses that I shoot with, but I've got one go-to because I'm like, okay, cool. I got to go light. I got to go fast. I know I'm not going to be able to stop. And I know my gloves are going to be really thick. And so like pushing buttons is going to be a challenge. So, uh, right. And so yeah. like I'm on a rope team or I'm walking on that, you know, some on, on some of the ledges or what have you. Um, yeah. And especially at altitude when your brain is kind of fuzzy too, having something that feels like autopilot. Um, I don't know if you've been to altitude before. It affects different people in a variety of ways, but definitely this like, it's like a little illogical. Right. <laughs> it, it, like it just does like the hypoxia, the lack of pressure really does feel a little bit illogical. And so again, just being like, oh, I think that's kind of a cool shot, even though I feel kind of loopy, being able to just like quick set without even looking at anything and push the button is key a hundred percent. Okay. Um, also, point of view stuff is really cool. So you said you've got a GoPro. I'm not sure what mount systems you're planning on taking. Um, I, you know, helmet cams for sure. Chest cams are really cool, especially for rope work, that kind of thing. Um, and so kind of keeping in mind, like how many point of view systems you're going to have and that cold weather eats batteries alive. So um, systems for keeping it warm, if you know, if you don't already have that kind of dialed in, what does that look like to you? For me, it's these little cheap neoprene, fleece line neoprene sacks you get off Amazon for like nothing because they're made in China and probably really crummy, but they do the job, right? They're insulative. Um, and then, um, yeah, and then like having a setup for your camera, so that it's accessible, but warm. And so people have these little like, uh, 
because your system is key, really. Like you've got the content capture, like I've seen your work, right? You've got the content capture, you've got, you've got the eye. So at this point, truly, I think it's just honing a system because the difference between shooting down low in a park or, you know, in Rocky Mountain National Park and shooting up high is, is cold, it's gear getting in the way and it's timing, right? And those are the things that are really gonna like eat you alive when it comes to content creation because it's not the brain. I mean, sure, it's your brain too, eventually, but it's your, but it's gonna be the hardware. It's gonna be your system setup, um, which I still am working through. But like, I, I kind of like fake created this like camera cradle that can be used with, and I'm ha I can send you kind of what that setup looks like. It's really simple, um, but it's dry, it goes diagonal across your backpack. And so then there's lots of other options out there, but this one's super light. Uh, it uses a little bit of climbing gear, so it's multi-purpose. And yeah, and it allows you to pull your camera in and out without it holding on to your neck in a way that like is cutting off circulation. Uh, and it doesn't add a lot of extra weight. And it's really good with like Everest mittens, which I'm not sure what you're using for gloves, but like mittens are a pain when it comes to camera work. Um, and again, taking them off isn't always an option, especially up high. If you're going to be waiting at all, uh, it's going to be special. That's what I would say. I would say special. Dial, systems, dial those systems, go up high, um, or dial those systems, like stick your hands in ice water and then try to function with your camera. Okay. Yeah. That sounds fun. <laughs> I cannot wait to implement that for you, but especially the ice water. Especially the ice water part. Yeah, and I would say the last piece is just like, um, in terms of content, um, if you don't already, you know, we've all kind of got eyeballs for things. We see the world differently. Um, and I think that's, that's fantastic. It's what makes it so interesting. And so if there's, you know, shot perspectives that you like, so, you know, sometimes your people are shooting at the eyeline of the rope. Uh, sometimes they're shooting at the eyeline of the backpack, uh, you know, through, the, through the tent, like just some of the more creative ways that aren't just like, I'm strolling up to camp and here's the photos, da, 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 um, can be, can make it a little more unique, especially for people who aren't there. So like, I use my mom a lot. I'm like, how would my mom, like, how can I best convey this image to my mom? Because it isn't just, uh, and cause like, yeah, it's not just what my eyes are seeing. It's how my brain is translating that vision. And so I'm always thinking my camera doesn't have a brain. So it's only going to see whatever I tell it to see. Um, so that's kind of from a content perspective, how I approach a lot of the adventure stuff. That is awesome. And I'm so glad we're recording this. <laughs> <laughs> we will be replaying this section or I will be like. <laughs> times. Totally. Cool. Yeah. yeah. I hope that's helpful. Very helpful. Yeah. Very helpful. Definitely. Hey guys, Scott here. Thanks for tuning into the show. We're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. Hey Naturites, Casey here. Now that we are less than six weeks out, Scott and I are really starting to focus on our nutrition. What does this entail exactly? Well, we are going to be participants in a sugar detox course that I am teaching in September. Side note, I am a certified nutritional therapy practitioner and licensed Restart Sugar Detox program instructor, so I'm not just making this step up. But during the course, you'll learn about all kinds of fun things like digestion, fats, and blood sugar regulation. After you stop hating me, you'll notice improved sleep, clearer thinking, less hangriness, 
and maybe even some looser fitting pants. If you would like to join in on the misery, <laughs> I mean fun, of the sugar detox, go to caseypoe.com slash sugar detox. Also, as a listener of the show, use the discount code nature to save 20% on the course. And now back to the show. Definitely. Now talking about, you know, the mittens and maybe not thinking clearly at altitude, do you have any funny stories? We are huge fans of self-deprecating humor here. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I mean, I am as well in terms of self-deprecation and just humor in general. Um, I mean, I've got a lot of snafus. Honestly, nothing really crazy other than, um, so I was down in South America last year mm, year and a half ago something like that and so i was attempting aconcagua did not summit um got right up right around like 21 a little below before turning around and uh anyway and so it was it was cold it was extremely extremely cold and so one of the biggest struggles that i've had that i'm still working through is how to deal with severe altitude fatigue and still have the wherewithal to actually cap capture content um not just for my own memories, um, but for any other obligations I might have or people, other people that I promised photos or videos or whatever for. Um, and I mean, it, honestly, like, and this isn't a funny story, it's just hard. Like, it's really hard when all you wanna do is crawl in your tent and in your sleeping bag uh, and just like warm up and do nothing but lay there. And you're like, oh wait, but I have to do X, Y, Z, da, 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 right? Um, so yeah, no. I mean, I've got my share of like, you know, gloves over thinking that I'm, you know, shooting images and I'm not really, or I like, I've got mine set to an extremely low, um, ISO. And so everything is like crystal white, uh, you know, during a, during a paid photo shoot, that kind of stuff. But, um, right. you know, it, <laughs> all the snafus we all make and you're like, well, <laughs> you live and you'll learn, I guess. <laughs> Uh, there's not really a better way to do it, but, um, yeah, no, I mean, honestly, like at, at altitude itself, no, not really. Um, oh, actually I got one from a Canyon. If you want to okay. hear that. Oh yeah. yeah. So, um, I'm on Gladys number two cause Gladys one took a swim. So remember how I said that I'm water and I are not friends, um, uh, like legit Poseidon and I signed an agreement and I'm like, cool. Like I won't play in your playground. You won't play in my playground and like we can live happily ever after. Right. So, um, anyway, so it was my first canyoneering trip ever. And so canyoneering is where you, uh, hike to the top of a Canyon and then you descend back to the trailhead, uh, through the Canyon, which is a combination of like down climbing, scrambling, uh, repelling and occasionally swimming. So we were in Utah in Zion. It wasn't supposed to be all of all that. It was supposed to be dry. Um, actually a lot of the beta of the information that we had read was that it was dry. Um, and it hadn't rained or flooded recently. So I had never gone canyoneering before. And uh, I was like, cool. So the very first rappel that we get into, uh, I have a GoPro kind of attached to like my hip-ish uh, on a backpack, but it's like really, really wiggly. And then I've got my camera, Gladys just dropped across me like I normally do, kind of just side, side saddle. And um, she... <laughs> We drop in and it was supposed to be dry. And my friend that went first, she like, I all of a sudden, she drops down, it's silent. And then we hear, 
<laughs> she's screaming, screaming, screaming. We're like, oh my God, are you okay? She's like, it's really cold. And then all you hear is splash, 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 splash. And she's extremely tall. So I'm 5'4". She's taller than me uh, by a lot. And I was like, I was like, oh my gosh. And so I had a dry bag. So I like quick take all the stuff off. To, oh, excuse me. I take off only Gladys, put her in the dry bag, roll the dry bag up, put it in my backpack. I'm like, okay, here we go. I'm thinking it's like a wading pool or whatever. No, no, no. It was like a solid swim down a very narrow canyon for probably, it felt like forever. Honestly, it could have only been like three minutes. It was enough to fully submerge my entire pack. In oh, that wow. amount of time, I lost the, so again, I don't like water. So I was like, oh my God, it's cold. And like baby panic before I was like, chill out again. I was like, get it together, get through the canyon, right? So <laughs> before I realized that my GoPro had come loose from my backpack because I didn't have it on tight enough and in all my flailing, it just like decided to take a swim to the bottom where Gollum lives. And I was not about to like go into Gollum world to like have that happen. And then I, uh, and then I went into, um, and then I was like, okay, so we get out, whatever. I had an iPhone at the time. My dry bag, my backpack, when I got out, I could barely stand up. That's how heavy it was. And I was like, what just happened? My dry bag had taken on all of the water in the canyon. It was literal, like just a dry bag filled with water, like a balloon. Oh no. Gladys is swimming in it. My iPhone was swimming in it. Everybody was swimming in it. I lost all of that. First canyon for oh. the entire trip. Camera, cell phone, GoPro, gone. Oh. Oh, yeah. No insurance. Oh, no. Do you want to know what I have now? Oh, you should get insurance, by the way. I have it. I have it. Okay. (laughs) So you're smarter than me. Yeah, no, I lost all of that. And I was like, what? I was devastated. It was a solid, like, night before I could, like, get my act together again and be like, first world problems, super privileged, like, get with it, right? Anyway, yeah, it was crazy. So that's a good little snafu story for you. Wow. <laughs> I'm so sad for you as you're telling this story. I'm just like, I, I, know. I, know. <laughs> I was, honestly, I was just, I was just mad to lose the SD card. Honestly, like the, the gear, yes, certainly, but that was replaceable. But what's not are the images, right? So it's like, anyway. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, and, and for our audience, Gladys is her camera. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> so we're on Gladys too. And then I also have an Abigail, which is the XT2. I've got two of them. No. Great. Yeah. That's my life. We have some pretty funny stories ourselves of this journey of becoming a better photographer. And should we throw ourselves? Yes. The, the yes. latest, the latest one of the the B roll you tried to get. Yeah. Okay. So here we go. So it's not, it wouldn't be fair for us to ask our our guests to say something without us sharing a story. So our most recent one this past week, part of the thing we want to do is get B roll, and we're gonna do like a a daily vlog of why we're up there. Yep. And. So B-roll, you know, right? The B-roll for our audience is you try to capture the scene that you're in and you do really cool slow-mo and you do it with a GoPro. And so we were hiking with a buddy of ours. His name is Matt Martin. You guys should know him by now because we talk about him every podcast. Yeah, he's our, our partner in crime. So we're climbing up Sanitas and it's a very steep route. And so we have the GoPro out and it's like, okay, I'm going to practice doing B-roll. And so I was like, it would be really cool to get B-roll of Casey and Matt's feet going up these steep steps and rocks and doing it in slow-mo and then doing some music to it. It's like, oh, that'd be so cool. So <laughs> we get home 
and we're all excited. It's like, oh, well, let's see what's on the GoPro. And it's like, well, we get the first few videos that snaps that we took. It's like, oh, that's kind of cool. It's, it's going good. It's like, okay, this is going to be the next one. And we start seeing the film. And, you know, it was really hot that day. And our friend Matt was wearing running shorts. His, his shorty shorts. For running. Yep. And, uh, yeah, the B-roll ended up not being their feet. <laughs> it ended up being Matt's butt. The whole time. MJ, I'm not joking. <laughs> it was like, so Casey. You it was like eight minutes of Matt's butt. That's oh the whole time. So like I did like 12 different clips, right? In slow-mo? Did, we didn't put it in slow-mo because I didn't okay. want to, I just wanted to get through it as fast as possible. <laughs> but we still could put it in slow-mo because we recorded it in 4K, so. <laughs> MJ, Casey was laughing so hard. I was crying. She was crying. And then some of the videos were even upside down. I didn't even know this was possible. Yes. So we have a ways to go. That's why we bought the equipment beforehand to do some practicing. So this is why we practice. Yep. Right. So your story sounds really cool. It's an adventure. You're like, you know, you, you could have drowned, but you survived. You survived the elements. Mine was I filmed somebody's butt. I like yours better. I'm honest <laughs> with you. <laughs> I'll take butt film all day over uh, <laughs> over camera and footage loss. <laughs> it was so bad. I, it, it was like awkward watching it. <laughs> like I'd let Matt know. I was like, hey, man. Um, yeah. I'm sorry, dude. I won't yeah. post. You probably this. owe him dinner now, actually, because of that. But oh, that's a little awkward. <laughs> <laughs> okay, moving on. Moving on. So we just have a few more questions. Um, so I know I noticed that you are part of the group Rising Routes. Yep. Can you share with us a little bit what that's about and what you're looking to accomplish with that? Or. Sure. Uh, so I am the co-founder of Rising Routes. Uh, my partner's name is Jason Swan. And Rising Routes is a, it's a, it's a bridge building community. So we, we exist to, to kind of answer the, the, what I call the top of the mountain question. So what that means is uh, we're really, we're focused specifically on, um, kind of the Jedi community and and the mental fitness community. So Jedi, uh, for those who are not aware, is justice, diversity, equity, and inclusion. And mental fitness is, is the way that we refer to mental health, mental wellness, that kind of thing. Um, these two kind of separate, they're not really movements exactly, I'll call them communities for now, but these two separate communities, um, we're sort of a Venn diagram between the two of them. We we are helping to build communities of empathy that will eventually turn into communities of action that will eventually turn into communities of leadership. So what that looks like in kind of the near term and, and the smaller groups is that we do everything from coffee meetups to kind of morning hikes and breakfast or brunch, that kind of thing. Um, but what we're really trying to do is, is, uh, is bridge the gaps that exist right now kind of between um, those who are in power and those who are not uh, to bridge uh, communities, kind of affinity communities um, or marginalized communities that are sort of homogenous in their communal healing um, and bring them together. Um, we're helping 
each other, learn the tools of communication so that we can start to individually heal and then um, eventually start to heal as a community and then uh, as like-lived um, communities and then eventually heal together as very, very diverse communities. So um, finding joy uh, and finding similarities in our differences in the fact that we are different, um, validating everyone's reality uh, and, and learning how to see the world through other people's lenses. Um, and because when we can do that, then we can actually start to see the system for what it is and, uh, then ideate ways to, to, to change it basically. That's a beautiful thing. <laughs> yeah. I like that. It's not as articulate as I usually am, but here we are. <laughs> uh, that, that's, that's great. And, um, uh, so I've seen a few of the pictures and, and I love how you're combining nature and then you're capturing those people in nature. And then I, I love the, uh, the idea of that because I think we need more of that. Mm -hmm. It is, you know, so we do nature, the trail, uh, it is our medium. It's the place that we all find that we can sort of step back from the pretense that we put on ourselves or that others put on us in society uh, that we can maybe more, more openly share um, and be heard in a way that, that, is truly listening to listen and not listening to respond um, that we can really say this is who I am and take ownership of that piece um, and and take accountability right so we can recognize uh, you know what privileges we hold and what privileges we don't hold and why that matters right um, among a variety of other things but why that really matters um, and why communities of empathy they're there people want them but the problem is that that no one really knows how to say the words right so one of our hashtags that we like to use a lot is use your words and what that means is like we're going to mess up in this space a lot like you know intention versus impact is a big lesson we teach a lot so it's like i might have not meant to uh say something that offended you but the impact was really negative right? Maybe I did something that triggered you. And so it's recognizing that different humans have so many different experiences, both lived and, and uh, hereditary uh, or learned that they, that, that that's one of the biggest kind of, I would say, barriers to communication between different cultural groups, between different life experience groups, between, I, I don't know. So anyway, uh, so there's there's a lot of purposes, a lot of goals. So right now we're in the process of developing programming that kind of speaks to that piece, doing a lot of research uh, because mental fitness and mental wellness really isn't inherent in the Jedi space currently. And because Jedi conversations are not inherent in the mental fitness space currently. Uh, and so we're sort of bridging that gap as well. A lot of times individual healing, what ends up happening is, is we get folks who are um, who are oppressed or negatively impacted by the system in a variety of ways at a variety of levels. And we need to um, be able to look at ourselves first and have the hard conversations within ourselves before we can start to have conversations with other people, um, know the truths about ourselves and do some healing. We also like to say that we teach from scars, not wounds. Um, if you're teaching from a wound as a human, regardless of what you're teaching, likelihood is high that you're gonna be teaching uh, a version of pain and anger right? That the ultimate goal isn't healing. And so our final goal is in fact goal setting. Um, a lot of movements don't or haven't yet as of yet tr set truly tangible goals, right? Um, there's a lot of conversation about what actions want to be taken, um, but not what, what it looks like on the other side of those actions. 
what is it really, what are we really trying to attain um, and get there? So yeah, so step one, empathy uh, and humans who are able to use their words in a way that's truly compassionate uh, with positive intent and positive impact. And then, um, but ultimately communities of action uh, and step one for action is, is tangible goal setting. So that's for next five, five-ish years. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. Well, thank you. I mean, it's always nice meeting people that are making differences in different ways. And Thanks for asking. I appreciate you. Yeah, absolutely. And anything we can do to help support that effort would be count us in. Okay. That sounds good. I'll keep you posted. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I, I guess, uh, so we have two final cl closing questions we have for our audience. Cool. And so the name of the, the podcast and is get into nature so why do you think people should get into nature? I think that nature can teach you things about yourself that you cannot find anywhere else. I think that it has the ability to build introspection um, to that and teach truths not only about the life that we're, each of us are currently living in our own unique way, um, but also as a community, um, truly that you, that you would not, that would not see the light of day uh, for me personally. So an example, uh, when I was 17, I did an outward bound excursion. I lived in Florida at the time. And I came out here to the San Juans and I was out here for about two and a half weeks. And I, could, uh, it was this love-hate relationship, right? So step one, that is life, a love-hate relationship, right? Simultaneously fueled by passion and beauty and, you know, hatred and anger all at the same time. Um, and acceptance of that fact was something that I learned on that, on that trip. I was like, wow, okay, cool. So rapid acceptance of what's real is huge. Um, and then also things like pushing past your brain. There were so many days where I was like, I can't take another step. And the answer was, yes, you can. Your brain can't, right? And that is such a valuable lesson. It is one that I took. It's the, the number one lesson I take back with me every time. It's like, if you think you can't, it's literally in the words you just said. It's because you think you can't, not because you cannot, right? Especially if, if, if it's physical, if we're just talking about hiking or whatever. Um, so, yeah, so I think really that's it. Um, and I also think that the healing aspect is huge. Uh, I do think I'm one of those humans that believes that uh, we are truly, we are connected to the earth and we are connected to each other in ways that we don't really understand or perceive most of the time. Um, but get it, and that connection does make us stronger and, and heal us again in ways that we don't always understand. Um, but the clarity that comes from being outside is huge. That's why. I feel like we have a mic drop on that answer. That was just so <laughs> eloquent and Goodbye. Yeah, so, so beautiful. <laughs> Definitely. Okay. Our final question is what is a small habit that people can incorporate to help protect mother nature? Small habit. Honestly, um, pick up trash. I know it's kind of grody, so I would say caveat is, you know, if it's needles or it seems to be, you know, like 
bodily related. Yeah. Uh, maybe <laughs> don't like, get a disease. Don't do that unless you have gloves. I do actually always carry gloves with me um, for that reason and also first aid stuff. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, you know, you're hiking on a trail, especially really popular ones, you know, around here, you see little tiny, you know, tear offs from a goo pack or a, you know, honey stinger or whatever, you know, food people are eating. Um, yeah, you know, pick it up. It's not that hard. Um, I would say that's really small, uh, that people can do to kind of protect it. Yeah. And that's great. It's, it's one of those things, leave it better than the way you found it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I think it's one of those things where people think that to protect the environment, to protect mother nature, they have to do this big thing to go way out of their way. And so it's, we're trying to educate people on the compounding interest of the little things that you can do. Completely. Big differences in the long run. So. Yeah, I agree. And I think, so I'm, I'm, I'm really um, about accessibility to the nature as well. Uh, so I do think that, you know, there is value in different people appreciating and experiencing nature in their own way. Um, so, you know, bigger conversation piece about leave no trace and all that jazz. I don't always agree with everything. I do think it's a do your best situation. Um, that culturally it, it can vary what that looks like, what respect looks like. Um, but I do think that picking up trash is kind of crosses all those bounds, right? Um, and it doesn't require that you need to like have access to a computer to do research to figure out if there's a trail there or not, or like if there's a campsite not near water or kind of like all this stuff that a lot of the other bigger things you can do does require time, education and access to information that isn't true for, you know, everyone going outside. Um, so yeah, so that's also why pick up trash is a big thing for me because it's everyone can do it. <laughs> Very cool. So everybody pick up that trash when you yes. see it out there. Yeah. <laughs> Do your part, yes. right? Make MJ proud. Yeah. Thanks for asking. That's a good question. Very good. Well, I think we're done. Yeah. I, we've gone through our questions. This has been a great, great interview. I've, I'm so excited to go back through and listen to all the stuff that yes. you suggested. <laughs> I'm, I'm geeking out over here, but um, MJ, where, where can people find you? Uh, Instagram is probably the best way. So it's my name. So it's Marisa Jare. That's M-A-R-I-S-A-J-A-R-A-E. Uh, I do have a website. It's called gritandpixel.com. And then I'm actually going to launch a blog. It was supposed to be last month and July literally just got away from me. I have no idea where it went. So um, that is called audible-exhale.com. Uh, that should be up hopefully in the next month or so. Definitely. Awesome. We'll yeah. link everything in the show notes and send people your way. Sweet. Thanks. I appreciate you. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. I, uh, I cannot wait to see. I cannot wait to see how your, uh, how your trek goes. It'll be really cool to follow. Cool. Thank, thank you. you. Cool. Thanks guys. <laughs>